Good morning, Year 3. This podcast is going to take you through the presentation on your GP uh, placements during Phase 3. That's end part of Year 3 and Year 4. And what I'm going to be doing is really talking you through the placement guide, which is attached to Canvas, and this is your student guide to your GP placements. So I suggest you have that guide available so that you can look at the bits that I'm referring to during this talk. If we start on page three, just laying out the background and context of these placements, you'll appreciate that you're now entering a different phase of the course where your learning moves away from the classroom and is much more rooted in clinical placements. Of course, you had general practice placements during years one to three. But the main aim of those placements was really to support your learning in basic medical science, rather than teaching you specifically about general practice. And the complexion of that changes in these later placements. And we move from using GP placements as a way of getting generic experience into placements that teach you about what general practice is, what it does, how it serves patients, and how it fits with the wider delivery of patient care. General practice functions very differently in the United Kingdom compared to how primary care or family medicine functions in other countries. And so the model of primary care here um, is an interesting one and a dynamic one, one that's changed certainly in my professional lifetime and, and that continues to change certainly in the last year related to COVID and has changed really quite a lot. And how general practice interacts with the rest of the health service is actually crucial By and large in the UK, if patients want to access secondary care, it usually requires them to do that through their general practitioner. Of course, patients can and do sometimes go directly to A&E and access secondary care through other routes. But more typically, people go through their GP. Of course, General practitioners and general practices do a very great deal more than just simply refer patients elsewhere. And a good deal of morbidity is handled directly in general practice without reference to secondary care at all. This is particularly true of chronic disease, most of which is now managed either uh, in large part or, or even exclusively in general practice quite a number of patients with type 2 diabetes, as an example, never see an endocrinologist. All of their care is delivered by their general practice. So we start off with, a. if you look at the sort of the paragraph in italics, it talks about the role of the modern GP managing both acute and longer term conditions 
and coordinating care. And this coordinating care is perhaps a better way of describing what GPs do rather than making referrals. Making referrals suggests uh, almost quite a passive process of just putting somebody uh, into the system. Whereas coordinating care is a much more dynamic idea and general practitioners ought to be care coordinators. They serve an important role in navigating patients through the health service. So your placement in general practice in phase three, which is for four weeks, is designed to really improve your familiarity with how general practice functions, what general practitioners do. I mentioned the organisation of your placements, which is also covered on page three, but just as a reminder that this your GP placement is part of your 12-week community rotation, which I have down as rotation three. Because of how the rotations uh, are organised, some of you will find you're doing general practice quite early in the day, and some will not be going into GP placement for over a year. So when you enter that four-week GP placement, you are going to be going in with different levels of experience and it's important that you know you do have conversations with your clinical supervisor about the experience that you have because they need to know where you are in the curriculum what you've done what you'd like out of the rotation uh, the table on page 4 just reminds you of the rotations you're going to be doing over the course of the year uh, and gp as we've just said is rotation 3 so in addition to GP, during that 12 weeks, you'll be doing four weeks in psychiatry and four weeks in a number of outpatient departments. Talking about how the placement will operate, as I've said before, you have experience of general practice. And that's an advantage for you that's to students on other courses who may not have experience general practice at all until this stage of their training. But it's likely that you will be going to different practices to the practices that you had during years one to three. So we do ask that almost the first thing that should happen when you go into practice is that you have an induction. And this induction is described on page five. Th these are the requirements we make of practices. This is what we tell them to do during that time. And you just need to be comfortable that all of this is covered when you have that induction meeting. So you should be told how to navigate your way physically around the practice. You should be introduced to the important people that you need to know, and not necessarily all of them on that Thursday because a number of them won't be there. Practice should tell you its operating times, practicalities like how to get there, where to park, all of that sort of stuff. But we'd also like you to spend some of that induction meeting just setting the scene with regard to what you're going to be doing in terms of your learning and in terms of meeting your learning objectives. Now, the guide that we've provided for you is very similar. In fact, very similar indeed uh, 
uh, to the placement guide we give to your supervisors. So you should all be working off the same hymn sheet. Um, and it's important, as with any attachment that you go into, that you start the attachment with a clear idea of what you want to achieve during it. And we'll go on to talk about what your learning objectives should be for this attachment and what you might expect your clinical supervisor to do for you. So thinking about what the placement will, how it will function, if we go to page six, a bit of advice at the top of the page um, to you and your supervisors is crucial. You should be fairly clear at the start of every day what it is you're doing, i.e. that there is a plan for you. Uh, as students, you have a right to expect that your day is structured and clear about what you're doing and clear about who is supervising you. This is exactly the same for your earlier placements. But we do expect in these later placements that you will be able to work more independently. That might include, for example, seeing patients on their own to take a history from, maybe even visiting a patient at home on their own. But at all times, you need to be confident that you're uh, receiving adequate supervision. You shouldn't be left feeling vulnerable or feeling that you are making decisions that are above your pay grade. Now, the day, broadly speaking, will split into two with a session in the morning and a session in the afternoon of about three hours each. We're not prescriptive about that and be guided by your practice and your clinical supervisor about how your time is going to be spent. As long as you are happy that you're getting value out of the day and enough learning activity has been planned for you. As with earlier placements, we've taken a view that we don't want to be too prescriptive about how you spend your time, but we do want to make sure that over the course of your placement, you're given a good range of learning opportunity. We make the point as well that certainly at the present time, general practice is functioning in quite a different way with quite a lot of consulting happening remotely. And it's important you've experienced that. And so please don't feel shortchanged or hard done by if you are involved in observing remote consultations with patients. You can learn a lot from watching how my colleagues handle those consults. We give a typical learning day on page six, but of course there's no such thing as a typical learning day, but just a feel for the types of activities that you might be involved in. And this will look very similar to what you did in your earlier placements. Just a word about your GP clinical supervisor. This is your main contact in the practice. It's the person who coordinates your educational planning, who will be your main go-to person for advice. But your GP clinical supervisor will not be doing all of your teaching and they will get colleagues to supervise you 
and to share their experiences with you. And that's a really good thing. But you need to feel confident that your clinical supervisor is in charge, knows what he or she is doing, and is someone you can go to if you're unclear about anything. You'll be told in the um, transition weeks teaching about educational supervision and just to make the point that if you start your community rotation in general practice and the third of you will start um, that rotation in your GP placement your GP clinical supervisor will likely also be your educational supervisor so they will stay with you in that role for the whole of that 12-week rotation and do your educational supervisor's report. So I think that's probably it in terms of the structure of the placements. We do make the point that your placement week is a, it's a four-day week. So Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays and Fridays should be fully timetable days. Wednesday is a day for self-directed study and then in the afternoon to go off and do your sports or your recreation. So don't expect to be timetabled on Wednesday, but practices may well be happy to have you on the premises if you wish to be there and doing some study uh, using an available workstation. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But I think again to reiterate that really what we're expecting is for you to have exposure to a good range of patient presentations to experience the full scope of work of the practice. And that will include work within the practice and some work outside. And we do suggest to your supervisors that they involve you, for example, in home visits, visiting nursing homes, working with other community providers that are attached to the practice really so that you can immerse yourself in the world of community-based care so moving on we're going to talk a bit about your learning outcomes and your learning activity so the learning outcomes really derive from five areas of capability described in the Royal College of GPs core curriculum statement. And you'll remember these from your year one to three placements. We've adapted those areas of capability to make them relevant to medical students. But of course, we also need to show how this links to the General Medical Council's outcomes for graduates. So if you look at tables two and three in the document, you'll see how we've done that and how we've used both the uh, core curriculum statement and the outcomes for graduates to derive some learning outcomes for your GP placement. And you'll see that these learning outcomes are quite broad. And that's deliberate. It would be, I think, redundant frustrating, annoying, and not particularly educational to create long lists of short learning outcomes for you to achieve during your placement. But rather, we want you to think in terms of broader objectives, a 
and for you and your supervisors to think about how to meet those objectives. And to make the point in the documentation there that if you read the learning outcomes, they are more mature learning outcomes than in your earlier years. They're more about doing and experiencing than they are about observing. So in terms of how those learning outcomes are met, uh, at the bottom of page seven, you'll see some typical GP teaching opportunities and we have given your supervisors an indicative number. It's not prescriptive. We're not expecting you or them to stick to it, but just as an indication of how much of each activity we would like you to do. We'll go on to talk a little bit more about learning outcomes in a moment. But I think just to follow the line of thought in the document, if we look at page eight, this talks about the assessments that we're asking you and your GP clinical supervisors to complete together. And there are no specific assessments for your GP placement. They are exactly the same workplace-based assessments as described in your year three, four placement guidance. And as you know, um, there are forms that you can get to through your electronic portfolio, in my knowledge, and you can complete the assessments using the electronic portfolio. You're likely to find you will need to give your supervisors a five minute tutorial on how to use that. And I'm just going to make the point that you will not get better opportunity to complete those workplace based assessments than you will in GP. So make sure you use that opportunity. And that will mean a little bit of assertive, polite pestering of your supervisors to get those done. So don't be too shy about it and do remind them of your need to complete these workplace-based assessments. We do ask you during your placement to undertake a bit of project work. And this will form part of your professional portfolio for year four. And what we'd like you to do is to agree together, the students in the practice at the same time with your clinical supervisor, an audit or quality improvement project that you can realistically complete in about two to three weeks so that you can present it to the practice at the end of your attachment. Now, this may be a, an audit on an aspect of prescribing, uh, on the use of appointments. You might, for example, want to conduct a short patient survey or a staff survey on an area of the practice's care. Keep it simple, keep it manageable and make it enjoyable, but try and do something the practice will benefit from. You know, give them some information that they will find useful. And as I say, that ought to be an early discussion with your clinical supervisor about what you're going to do. And then once it's done, keep a record of it in your professional portfolio as evidence. And I make the point in the document as well on page nine that, you know, don't be shy about asking pretty much anyone who would stand still for long enough to give you some feedback. 
you know, on your communication skills, on your clinical skills, um, and just on any contribution you've made to the practice. You'll find that people in general practice, and you'll have had experience of this, tend to be very open, very friendly, and very supportive. So, you know, do interact with them. So you'll see on pages 11 and 12, these are the kind of, you know, landscape documents, uh, pages. These lay out your learning outcomes. And then on table two, and then on table three, just shows how the areas of capability that your learning outcomes reference to, also reference to GMC outcomes. So do spend a bit of time looking at those learning outcomes and making sure you understand them. Because it's only if you go to that level that you can make sure that you have spent the best use of your time during your placements. I've made the point before, but I'm making it again. GP placements in later years should not be a passive activity. This should be about you working with your supervisor to make sure your learning needs are met. You know, in all honesty, you probably could spend four weeks in general practice doing very little, being bored and not achieving very much educationally, or you can use it as a real opportunity to find out what medicine is like at the sharp end. So, on pages 13 through to, where does it go to? It goes down to page 16. We flesh the learning outcomes out a little bit in terms of not quite a reductionist approach, but a more, more elaborated description of the sorts of things that you might do to meet the learning outcomes. You'll see we've divided that into areas around knowledge, first of all. So, you know, what do you need to know by the end of your attachment? And then we go on to talk about skills. What should you have done? What, what should you be able to do? I think you'll find those useful pages. We certainly hope your clinical supervisors will have spent a good time looking at them. And I think they break the learning objectives down or the learning outcomes down into, you know, clearer objectives for you. And then the last part of the guide goes on to describe some indicative timetables. Now, this is exactly what it says it is on the tin. These are indications we give the practices of how your weeks might be organised. But we absolutely do not say to them or to you, we must do this activity in this order. You must theme this particular week in the way we have suggested it should be themed. Because if we do that, it's just going to put um, the brakes on any kind of imagination and innovation whilst you're in practices. But if you read through those four weeks indicative timetable, that will give you a feel for the content we expect you to have delivered over the four weeks. We don't much mind the order in which that's done. 
we don't mind if some of the outcomes aren't dealt with in ways other than the methods we have suggested. But we do mind if students are having lack of opportunity to meet their learning outcomes or if the activities they're being given are not helpful to them. So again, be proactive, be prepared to negotiate around how you spend your time uh, and do be prepared to come back to us if you feel the practice is not delivering on your expectations. We're not expecting that. Um, our past experiences, the practices tend to over-deliver. Um, but let us know if that's not the case. So finally, a, a bit about the procedural stuff which we describe on page 22. You'll be aware of patients' right to confidentiality and to consent. And as with your earlier placements, we just simply ask you to respect that. You can expect the practice to ensure that patients are happy to see you when they book in. But if you're ever in any doubt about that, please check with the patient. And as I say on the page, please don't worry your patients. Hesitate to give consent. There may be a number of reasons for that, none of which will be personal. With regard to your own behaviour, the standards on GP placement are the standards we expect of you on any clinical placement. You know, attend on time, be polite, be courteous, be respectful of staff and patients, pay a bit of attention to your appearance and remember that this is a, an environment that provides clinical care. At the moment as well, of course, please do comply with what you're asked to do with regard to PPE, social distancing and other infection control measures that the practice is, is operating. We don't expect to get very many expressions of concerns about our students, but we do make clear to your clinical supervisors that they should let us know if they have worries about your professional behaviour. And of course, if we are told of such worries, we will communicate that to you and deal with them accordingly. As we've explained to you in your bystander training and other training around raising concerns, if you do observe something that causes you concern about patient care or the professional behaviour of anybody in the practice, do please pay attention to that. Generally, your first port of call should be your GP clinical supervisor. And they will likely be able to deal with most of your concerns in a fairly straightforward manner. However, if you're uncomfortable talking to them, if you have a more significant concern, or if you're just simply not sure, do bring the problem back to the School of Medicine. So it can either go to Aaron or Jackie, or to myself and, or Deepak, and we would much rather know if you have a concern, even if all we need to do is reassure you about it, than you'd be left worrying about something and unsure. And of course, you'll be aware that we have a reporting concerns policy and that there is a, an online portal which can take you through to ARU. But we would expect that for the majority of the time, you will bring the concerns you have directly to us. 
So I think that's about as much as I want to say. Make sure you enjoy this four weeks of your placement. It's a, an extraordinary opportunity to see how patients present and how they're managed and how care is coordinated for pretty much every medical condition that you might want to think about. Just as a reminder, by and large, patients disappear into and out of secondary care, but the general practice remains a constant for them. And for patients to receive good care, it's important that their practices function well. So use the opportunity to watch and be involved in how general practitioners and their colleagues achieve exactly that. If you take a proactive approach to these placements, you're going to have a fantastic time and I wish you well. Take care. Bye-bye.